0: Welcome to the war Podcast, Episode 23: Building Adult Arrows with the Ranch Fairy. Troy hails from Texas, where the hogs grow huge. Lightweight archery tackle just does not seem to work on these critters, and he had to get creative. Now he's putting together arrows double or even triple the grain weight of most whitetail setups. Actions of a madman, you say? I'll let you decide as we explore high weight, high FOC. Meet Missiles with Attitude. Before we dive in, wanted to say that we appreciate you listening. If you are enjoying what you, what we are bringing you, please let us know with a rating or a review. Now, on to the show. Thanks for joining us to, on this rainy uh, Tuesday afternoon. Um, we're going to get some warmth. We're going to head on down to Texas, where we're going to join with a character down there, that I put him somewhere between conspiracy <laughs> theorist and uh, um, just the local nut. I am here with yeah, yeah. the Troy Ranch yeah. Ferry. Yeah. Troy, thanks so much for joining in with us. Now, are you more on the uh, insane asylum side or the conspiracy theorist side, the foil hats?
1: I am uh, more on the uh, you know insane asylum, mad scientist side. Than I am uh, due to failures. So that's, but people do wonder. And uh, I am the crazy uncle. So just for everybody out there, I have 38 nieces and nephews and Mrs. Fowler is the eldest of 10 children. And the ranch we own, which I call the test lab on my channel, the Ranchberry channel on YouTube is, I run it. And it's uh, pretty much a labor of love with that many people around, but you know i get I have my own lab rats too, so I have like me and the minions <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's beautiful you got hands everywhere uh to yeah, help yeah. out absolutely well, excellent now the ranch um what is it now if you've gone to the ranch ferry on YouTube, um you specifically talk about hogs on your um on your ranch, but is that specifically what you guys are, are doing or are you a cattle operation crop operation? What's going on there at the
1: ranch? So we run full, you know, litany of cows and got to keep the fences intact and chase those guys around and mow this and cut that and all that stuff. So the reason why my channel seems to be hog specific is we have the luxury of having a ton of tests. I mean, I've got test animals. Like it's just access right there's not a lot of people who can just go at leisure and go hunting for something that becomes relatively easy to hunt and they're in high numbers and the you know the brutal reality is there's no laws you can come right now to Texas and no no license or anything and we can go rock and roll at night with an AR with night vision and just absolutely go freaking you know bunkers if we want to shotguns hand grenades whatever it takes so <laughs> It's a the the channel started through my own failures, and we'll get into that later. But I didn't see product reviews and and bow hunting strategies and the critters. There's a, it's just access. It, yeah, it, most people get a tag or two, or some guy draws his elk tag and the gila for you know it, it, he's not going to try to video. He's trying to kill a damn elk. Right. Exactly. And I, I can't blame it. I can't blame it. Well, I don't have that problem. And I, I'm just fortunate Then my heart is naturally to help people. I just I'm kind of a servant in this world. That's what God you know, gave me this gifting. So in my the way I'm built, I just went, well, I mean, I got all these friggin pigs and they're really, really very durable. They're not super easy, but there's plenty of them. There's no laws. It's 24, 7, 365. Why don't I use leverage the the biomass of the ecosystem to to you know push concepts and see if the stuff works. So that's how the Ranch Fairy channel on YouTube was born. So it's not really it's not really pig specific. They just happen to be handy.
0: They just happen to be there. Will kill
1: a pig. You know, anything that'll kill a pig will kill your deer and you can break things on a deer. So
0: exactly. it's an upgrade. Well, hey, and that's that's kind of why I'm here. Um... i'm going to talk more about pigs here in a little bit because yeah coming from michigan up here in the north this whole idea of something that we can chase around for year for all year like we would love to do that with our deer and the problem is is like well we don't they're they're a managed animal and and of course we don't want them to go away but uh you've got something that's not supposed to be here and it's just fun to chase them around and hey they taste pretty darn good i imagine
1: no, they're good eating. We can get into that too. Mrs. My wife is a is a foodie and a chef, and she's a pain in the ass to take to restaurants. I mean, <laughs> she's she just like I can make that, you know. And then next week you'll be eating whatever she ate last week. She's phenomenal, and we she can, can discuss, dissect you know, it. Uh, you know, she can. I bring it in whole. She don't want to mess with them because they smell bad. But once I bring in the meat to her, she does some phenomenal stuff with them. They're very very easy to work with. Uh, they're not, I consider deer meat to be of challenge. It's very low lean. You know, it has its own things you have to do to it. And <clears throat> excuse me, feral hogs don't have that problem. They're kind of us. The wild ones are kind of between brisket and pork and you can do a lot of things to them and they turn out pretty nice.
0: Well, beautiful, beautiful. Well, okay. Your channel is ranch Ferry. And through yep. your processes and failures and successes, you've you've introduced um either product reviews, like said, Hey, this this really works, go after this or um you know what, guys, you should be looking at looking at this or things you should steer away from, like yep. my beloved FMJ arrows. The worst I... <laughs> damn thing on the planet. <laughs>
1: God, I get people who get so pissed <laughs> off at me. That is the worst arrow on earth. And it's not this arrow. It's those dumb inserts.
0: Yeah, I, I just started out those with those. Those guys
1: are idiots. Whoever designed <laughs> that. You can shoot targets with them. And I'm sorry I'm burning everybody's butt. And a lot of the pros shoot them. And I just saw a video of one of the pros I will not name. And he shot a Asiatic water buffalo. When he picked his arrow up, guess what? Oh, it snapped. The front of the damn thing was mushroomed and the head was gone. Oh because yeah. Because those hidden the hidden inserts don't have any stability. They're structurally they're failure. It's just a failure waiting to happen. I had a friend shoot seven pigs with FMJs and he tore the front out of seven shafts and we never found one.
0: Oh my goodness. Yep. Now, it's just
1: a massive energy dump when it if you hit something hard, yeah, it, it, and that's always the the bitch and moan with me with people on whatever message board or whatever. And they say, "Well, I you know I shoot pretty good." Yeah, it's, but not every time. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that'll work on bones will work on a soft tissue hit, but the reverse is not not true at all. So. The channel started as a product review channel and I was trying to be product specific and I don't like doing that I, I don't I don't want to review another bow I think I find it to be terribly boring and to be honest it's it's overrun with people who are better at it than I am so I've gone I've steered away from that there will be products in the videos you'll see and I'm going I'm chasing systematic effectiveness that's where I'm going now
0: gotcha. Because with, yeah, as it's been evolving, this is where then I picked up on you is I became interested in hitting hard things. I got burned yep. hard. Um, yep. You know, as a young hunter, um yep. getting into it, I threw together an arrow. I put on a broadhead. I didn't yep. know what I, you know, I, I didn't know the structural integrity of that broadhead. It just, oh, it's yep. on the shelf. It's going to work. And yep. sure enough, I hit a nice buck square in the yep. shoulder. Watched him trot off. And I think it had more. I mean, it, I didn't sleep for the next couple days. I kept searching for this animal um, as much as I don't want to be like, you know. Like, he made it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he made it. But still, I, I'm like my gut is torn. Yeah, sure. I'm of chasing course, this blood. Yeah, I chased yeah. this blood and then nothing. It's like he yep. just UFOs pulled him out of the air and he was just gone.
1: No, it's just a, it's a muscular hit and he sealed up. He's fine. Yeah, probably got the shoulder got it in the shoulder blade. Uh, Doctor Ashby and I were talking the other day, and he said that he paid some butcher to give him broadheads out of animals. And he said you wouldn't believe how many. He said he ran out of money. <laughs> he said five bucks a broadhead. He said he had a guy brought him a box of just a guy broadheads who was processing gun kills. Yeah. Wow. So, yep. It's, it's amazing, and so. My story on that, you know, let, let me touch on the fairy thing because I get a lot of crap about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I want to hear about where Ranch you know, Fairy came space. from.
1: So, my my, just to let you know a little bit about me. So, my, I woke up and came out of the womb with a fishing rod in my hand. I just don't know what's wrong with me. I literally just still, I'm 50 years old and I'm still trying to figure out how to do, you know, I'm still thinking about, I'm at work and I'm just like, man, if I throw the so-and-so jig they're bound to eat that so my first passion in this life was shark fishing off the coast and catching big sharks in the surf of texas and i got pretty good at it and i always hunted along the way and then when i took over the ranch about 15 years ago i'm the ranch manager so you know, I got the card and I got to pay for everything and keep everything running and all that crap and keep the deer stands cleaned out. And so that's how the Ranch Ferry thing came. So 10 years ago, I started calling myself the Ranch Ferry with my family. <laughs>
0: so like so a, a would, guest but, would come up yeah. and be like, hey, the Ranch yeah. Ferry will take care the of Ranch all Fairy's this. The
1: Ranch Ferry's here. So <laughs> would you, you know, here's here's the typical order. Make sure the AC's working. We're coming down. You know, we need the scooter to be running. You know, we need the, the mule to be running good. We, we need some gas the AC or the heat's got to be working and we prefer the biggest deer on the ranch come out about 18 minutes after we get there, you know, it'd be easier that way. Yeah. We don't want, we don't want any bugs and no mice in the house. And like I said, I'm wired to, to serve people. So I just got to joking around. Some of the requests I got from the family were fantastic. It's just off the hook, right? <laughs> just, it's fantastic how people think when they live in the city, you know, And so uh, when I started researching my channel, I was like, well, I already call myself the Ransbury. So I Googled it. Nothing came up. And I said, "Okay, on Google Analytics, that puts me at the top because I don't have any competition. Right. And then. So secondarily, as a business decision, which I, I demonetize all my videos, I refuse to make any money off of it so I can keep myself clean and I can say whatever the hell I want because hey, I appreciate you that better than, a, better than $100 dollars you are going to send me. Who gives a crap? If you shoot things, by the way, they demonetize you. So I do that a lot. Anyway, on analytics, the name came up. It's so weird in the bow hunting world. Nobody forgets it. So as a business decision, it's a very good name. Other than Hunter forty seven. I mean, you literally have to climb an algorithm in YouTube and become very popular and you have to overpost and keep yourself active and all that. And I'm not doing it. I'm fifty. I don't I don't have time for that. Yeah, you got a ranch to run. I gotta I gotta do things, you know? And I gotta think about which color jig to throw today. (laughs) Like you (laughs) said the other day, I said, Hey, I'm fishing, I'll call you later. You're like, hey, must be nice, you know. So that's the story of the Ranch Ferry. It just kind of fell together. And it's a really good name business-wise. And I don't have anybody forget me. You know, if I tell them I'm Troy Fowler, that just goes off top. Of exactly. Head.
0: Who's that guy? Yeah.
1: Ranch Ferry does not get forgotten. And they'll get forgotten. That's good English, man. I am fantastic. People don't forget it. <laughs> so that's how it got there.
0: So then as the Ranch Ferry and doing these, these videos, we're now – you're you're working on these systems you did you jump onto the whole idea of this ashby heavy arrow heavy heavy foc from the get-go or did you discover that somewhere in your hunting going along
1: i've i found it from loss i i there was nowhere else to go so i'm like all the rest of you guys i shot mechanicals i shot mechanicals in africa and killed a black wildebeest. I shot something else at the mechanical. And then we shot this butt Magnus Stinger, which I'm a big, big fan of that head. We shot the hell out of stuff with that in Africa when I was there in 2008. And what happened to me is I killed a good deer and under-penetrated him with a regular standard skeet load. So for y'all, when I talk, skeet load means below 450. 550 to 450 grains is a... Uh, is a dove load 650 to 550 is an adult arrow and anything over 650 is a magnum so when i say that just kind of keep that in your head and i'm insulting half the damn bow hunting world. I'm used <laughs> the it. sorry
0: hey that's so, all right we're right. on this channel we're all meat eaters here so whatever gets the meat <laughs> right. we're about it
1: so since we're meat eaters we're going to talk about how you're going to kill your critters faster so what happened to me is i shot a hell of a deer yeah, low fence, no genetics, none of the stuff they're doing in Texas, you know, 155 incher with a bow and arrow. It was a great story. Good friend of mine. I won't go into the details. It was just fantastic. And, and it ruined me. I don't care to shoot another damn deer in my life. I don't know why. I don't care. He's sitting right on the wall right here. It's a great big 10 point, And it's all I want to do. I, I, but big feral hogs are not user-friendly. Those bastards, that is a different damned animal. And I started getting serious about the big ones. Now, big means 200, and you need to buy a scale. So, no spitballing and guessing it. You got to hang them, okay? Um, Once they get to 200, they turn, they change. They're a completely different arrow eating machine. And it wasn't for lack of effort. So we shot them with mechs. We shot them with cut-on contact. We shot them with muzzies. We shot them with thunderheads. I'm not talking down about any of that stuff. I kept changing broadheads thinking I was going to find the magic bullet. And that's not what it was. And I was left with nowhere else to go. Because what I was doing, I was less than 50% on big hogs at one time. Probably more like 30 Just just praying that it would fall. It it was a penetration issue. You'd have half an arrow in them, okay? Well, the chest wall on a big adult feral hog shot in the shoulder where you have to shoot them, because that's where their lungs are, can be five to seven inches thick.
0: It's like a small Humvee walking around with armor plated. Correct.
1: And they're covered in mud. And they've got, everybody talks about the shield. For y'all out there, the shield is not the problem. It's just, it's a very saw. it's a very consistent medium that really doesn't present much of a problem to penetration. It does cork them up and they don't bleed real good. What the problem is, is your broad head impacts hair and inevitably mud. And the hair is horrible on them. It hits the skin, hits the meat, hits the shield. Well, it hits the shield first, hits the meat, and the ribs are so close together you're never shooting between them ever. So the next time you got a rack of ribs laying in front of you, speaking of the mediator channel, look how much space is between those rib cage, those ribs. It's not wider than your thumb.
0: Yeah, they are tight together.
1: They're tight, and people don't think about this stuff, right? So I'm a respiratory therapist and I had a I was fortunate we had a gross anatomy class, and we had cadavers, which is unusual in the respiratory where we happen to have cadaver. So I had a cadaver for six months. So I got to do all kind of cool stuff. And we learned how to keep people alive with holes in their chest. The reverse is <laughs> pretty easy to, you know, navigate. Yeah. So what happens is your broadhead hits this god-awful animal. The, the outside just eats the broadhead. And then you hit these ribs that are just brutally short and heavy, and there's no space. And it's going to hit them. And sometimes you get lucky when you're shooting the light stuff, but it was it was way below fifty percent. It was and it pissed me off. Oh, I imagine. I mean, I was shooting at a deer feeder, right? That's not like I'm shooting ninety-five yards stalking an elk, shooting across a canyon. I'm I, I'm shooting seventeen yards at a deer feeder. They're standing right there, okay. And a bonk, 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 and God forbid they roll or bump or jump the string, and you bonk them in the shoulder. They just laugh at you. They go off to show their friends. You know, <laughs> they bring the arrow over there with your lighted knock, and they laugh at you, and they run around and do all that crap. So it's a similar story to yours. You know, I don't know what you if you've moved up or made any changes, but you start bonking some stuff you really want. I mean, what else are you gonna do? Once you once you've gotten a, a cut on con- once you've bought a cut on contact like a stinger or you know anything, you steal force whatever and you leave everything else the same there's no there's no more. There's nothing else to do. That's as that's as effective as your aero system is going to be.
0: Yeah, you've reached the the pinnacle at that point if you're you only going to change what's hanging off the front.
1: That's correct. That's correct. Gotcha.
0: Well, yeah, in my short couple year stint I have I mean my the tool I was using again was the 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 dreaded FMJs we won't get into it we've already already done that but um I started adding um brass to the front of it and I did go to uh, a heavier broadhead and I went to a, a single bevel again you know that's not gonna necessarily change everything that is one point we can talk about later um but I did started adding brass to the inside, and from my first initial experience with a light arrow and then actually going to you know it wouldn't be an adult arrow it's like a you're a heavy an double. adolescent you're arrow in the, you're
1: in the high you're in the five fifty range with that shaft,
0: yeah, I was right around i think I measured it out I think we're at five fifty seven with that one yeah i yep. i started plugging and it just it worked, and I could visually see and i and granted this is only i've used it two years. It I have visually seen it work better. In fact, I I hit the shoulder once on the deer last year that went down, mm-hmm. and it went yeah. I had full pass through, and I have yep. a shoulder blade that I can show. Look at that! I plugged right through it, and what that was
1: the sound. What was the sound like when it hit the shoulder blade?
0: It I was I was suspecting it'd be this loud crack. It's nothing. It was just a normal hit, just a thud, and the deer so took what off happens. and fell.
1: So, yeah, so what happens is the single bevel is so efficient, it just pops the bone, and it keeps trucking. And so I've shot, intentionally shot, two or three pigs in the wrong spot, quartering in, aiming at the el- elbow, and it's amazing. I sh- I cut the shoulder blade socket off of a pig with a tough head, and it didn't make any sound. I have a nephew who shot a deer, a pig, it was, it was light, it was about 85 pounds, it wasn't very big. Quarter and two, it was in the dark, he couldn't tell, through the, through the the flat of the shoulder, broke two vertebrae, passed through its ass, and he thought he'd missed. It didn't make any noise.
0: Just kept on going. Pooh.
1: Right, he said, he texted me and said, I just missed. And I was like, dang, sorry, you know, I said, Good. jump down there and look at your arrow. He sends me a picture, eh. and <laughs> The arrow, the evidence on the arrow was not of a miss.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's just dripping.
1: That's the biggest thing. The two things that people, once they bounce up and you hear them talk about their first experience, if you've shot a few deer, right, is this absolutely efficient tool that is, like, they're not there. I got people who say, I thought, I have multiple people who said, I thought I missed. Yeah. Because it just, I mean, and they, you know, the arrow's 25 yards behind the animal if you're shooting from the ground. And that's normal trajectory, right? I mean, it didn't get deflected. It just hit the ground where it would have normally if you're shooting that far. So, um, good for you, man. That's awesome. I like hearing that stuff.
0: Yeah, and it it learning that, going and then you know looking through your channel and stuff. It is it just kind of made a thirst. You know, I can't necessarily play as much as what the lab does down at the down in yeah, Texas. At that's the what same I said, time. I said before yeah.
1: It's access. Yeah, I'm just lucky,
0: and I'm I'm, I'm living lucky. vicariously through that. So I'm I'm hearing stuff <laughs> and finding things. Like, ooh, that is a good idea. And ooh, that I sh- that would be something to try. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a hold of um, some carbon arrows that have some great weight to them. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I got a got a hold of some Day Six arrows. They're a, a, a newer company that's out there, and <clears> um, <throat> I've heard
1: about them. I haven't messed with them yet.
0: Well, what I like about them is, yeah, they're still heavy. They're This one is 11.2 grains per inch. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm running, I'm right around 29 inches. Uh, yep. He's got several um, half-out inserts that come with yep. a collar, that come over the top, and you actually screw yep. it on. Yep. So then you end up, and I actually have the stainless steel version here, so that's 100 in... The uh, insert alone, or the outsert alone.
1: Yep.
0: Um. And so then being, you know, kind of now knowing that my old system works, at least, you know, I've seen it work. Let's yep. let's up the ante. Let's try something new. And so yep. now I'm trying to do the big boss. I'm doing in my world. I'm doing 200 grains for uh, a head. Um. I picked up a bunch of field points, a test kit. And the top, top number was 200 on there. And so it's been great to put this together and I got to fling it out there. When it, when it comes off the bow, it doesn't, like you had mentioned in several of your videos, there's no sound. It's just thump. Yep. What's your flight like? I'm, I think I might need to work a little bit on that because I did, I pull put it together and I put it on the bow, sent it. I yeah, think like I have a little, little bit of you're wheeling. Like,
1: I got to shoot the damn thing. Come on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah.
0: did have a couple, a uh, little bit of wheeling in the back. And I don't know if that's just because of how long the arrow is. Maybe it needs to come down just a little bit.
1: What spine are they?
0: They are a 300 spine.
1: Okay. They should be, they might be close at 29 inches. You might have to go to, go to a two fifty. but but what you want to do, just cut the fletchings off. And I've got a bear shaft tuning video on my, on my channel. That's the absolute titty way to do it. I mean, that's the way to do it. There you go. And just strip
0: those off and then see what I'm what I'm doing. Just
1: go. Just shoot ten yards. You don't have to shoot a hundred. If you get a shooting really, really good at ten yards, bear shaft. Then when you when you refletch, um, you've got a per. So this is my bear shaft. It's not really a philosophy. It is absolutely true. If you will take the time to bear shaft every single arrow and knock tune them, which means turning the knock until it flies perfect when they come off the bow with fletchings on them they are flying as perfect as possible and if you make a mistake the the fletchings don't have to they correct for a mistake you make if your arrows are coming off sideways the the fletchings are doing a ton of work you put a broadhead on the front and then you make a mistake it exponentially increases the amount of work the fletching have to do. And it's massively, it eats up energy. Yeah. Like crazy. So that's my recommendation is just, you'll figure it out. Gotcha. You're not far off if they're a little bit, you'll be right there. It's just a different setup. If you change the point weight, you've changed the whole damn thing. There's no, I shoot a lot of different arrows, but. You know. Right, I'm not,
0: <laughs> I'm not ready for your golf bag yet. I'm still, uh, yeah. still wanting to stick with one thing, you know.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Good for you, man. That'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. The funny thing about uh, this whole heavy arrow thing is, if we could get an arrow that weighed five grains per inch and put five hundred up front, that would be the ultimate missile. So the real recommendations out there are to have the lightest shaft you can possibly shoot and then load the front.
0: So that the, the, the basically that's taken that, that FOC. Now we referred to that a couple times. And just for my listeners who don't know, that's referring to, to weight forward of center. Right. So you want, if you got to, if we put your arrow basically on a scale, if you were to run your, your arrow on your finger, uh, in order to balance it, you would have to move your finger closer and closer and closer to the uh, broad or the the point end, away right. from the knock. And the further right. that that is, essentially, is you're allowing more of the energy to be con- control or, um, condensed up towards the front.
1: Is so my description of yeah, so towards the front. So just for you people out there who've never heard any of this stuff, I typically shoot. I'm currently shooting a 65. I'm shooting a. I got a little youth pro youth deal going here. I'm shooting a 43 pound bow with a 740 grain arrow. That's 29% weight forward of center. It has a 200 grain insert and a 300 grain broadhead on the front. It's 500 grains of point weight on a standard gold tip. Go ahead, roll your eyes. I can't see you, so it's fine,
0: (laughs) but I'm just kind of, my my jaw's dropping. I'm just trying to hold it up. So here's
1: the, here's the sort of concept. Here's, here's how I put it together for people. What you've, you' you're taking an arrow system. so if you have a light point and a moderately normal arrow, you're asking that arrow to drive the point like hitting a nail from the bu- from bu- like hitting a nail with a hammer. That is the typical mindset of the average archer is I got to have this arrow pushing the broadhead through the target. okay? When you get over 19% FOC, and I've spent a lot of time talking to Dr Ashley about that, that's one of his magic numbers. And a nineteen percent FOC. If you ever you're running a regular gold tip arrow, standard weight, three hundred spine, you need about three hundred grains up front and you'll hit that number. Okay? So all of a sudden, you have a three hundred grain bullet pulling an arrow that turns into fletching the whole thing.
0: So it's, it's like almost instead of, instead of pushing, it's
1: pulling it's pulling. And that you have this massive projectile density wise, mass wise, okay? Pulling the tail of the kite. Your aeroflight is unbelievable and when it hits stuff, <clears throat> it pulls the shaft through. I mean, it's just there's so much mass there. So, you're doing fine with those shafts. Don't you know, don't go change everything. You're fine. Yeah. But in an ideal world, you want all this load up front, so you have this. It's essentially a bullet that is being that's flying towards the target. <clears throat> excuse me, flying towards the target with a kite tail on it. It's a totally different thing.
0: Yeah. Just you know? as you're you're explaining that, I'm I'm holding. I'm actually holding the arrow in myself. I'm holding it, and what I can do is if I hold on the knock. If, and I'm pointing the, the tip away, like, I can I can feel what the broadhead, or the, excuse me, it's just the field point, but I can feel what the point wants to do. My hand has to work harder to to direct that point. Like, it's in command. If yep. I flip that, and that's just holding it, if I flip that around now, and if I hold it from the point, that, I can do... Easy work. I can manipulate the back of those fletchings. I can manipulate the knock end, just with a minute move of my finger. It's the total command is up front. How much less in order for those fletchings to work if it's that light? It's that arrow is going to straighten out. And you know, I guess if somebody's looking to, I don't know, they they need evidence of what you're saying. That's one thing to do right there is to feel just how much weight is up. You know, you grab yourself, grab your uh, arrow by the point end and just how you Mm -hmm. can manipulate that arrow that imagine that being pulled as opposed to being pushed. Correct. I mean, as much as theory, you've brought that to brought that to life.
1: Well, a lot of people think it's going to nosedive or fly end up. But remember what I said. It's it's now a kite that's pulling is a kite pulling the tail, and they fly much flatter than people think. And tuning is very easy compared to shooting something that's more like ten percent. So the ten percent arrow would be a standard gold tip with a regular you know aluminum insert, running hundred grain broadhead, four hundred and ten grain skeet load. FOC is about nine percent, and it's a balanced system, theoretically, right? So you got this you try to find the balance point. There's a lot of crap behind that just hanging there with me. And the shaft is pushing the broadhead. So at impact, you gotta have that arrow flying perfect to push that broadhead, or you can put the chunk up front and let the broadhead be an absolute missile. I mean I'm shooting five hundred grain. I do it all the time, though. Once I jumped off the bridge, it's there's no going back. Exactly. Once you see what happens to meet, there's no going back.
0: Well, I'm I'm standing at that edge, so I'm hoping to jump. You know, it's one of those things you can't <laughs> you can't just fun. put your toes in. You just gotta jump.
1: Well, you've done so. What you've done is you've done what I call Ashby's Big Four. So, Aspie's Big Four are structural integrity. Okay. And then followed by that is perfect arrow flight, which you're going to work on that. And to do that, you really have to spend some time bare shaft tuning um, your shafts to get them right and make them go. Your next one is forward of center, which we've discussed to death. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to get over 19%. And then the next one is mechanical advantage. So you went from the standard broadheads to a single bevel. And mechanical advantage is very simple. It's a lever. So if a broadhead is long and skinny, it's much less resistance on impact. If it's wide and broad, it's one of the failures points of a mechanical is how wide they are and the amount of resistance they they just have to undergo. You can't help the fact that the animals have a rib cage. Yeah. They do. You, it's it's just so linear to me, and so when you have something that's kind of flat, like forty five degrees, it really causes a lot of resistance. Nobody would build a sword to fight in war that looks like an umbrella. Nobody would do that.
0: But you could stab quicker because you can fold it down, Troy. <sighs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. I appreciate your... I appreciate... You. I'm, not really, I'm not really a mechanical hater. You know, I don't really care what you think about me. It is what it is, but they just have a lot. That particular feature... Now, if I, I think if somebody made a 200-grain, all-steel, mechanical broadhead with .06 blades on it, that was only about an inch and a quarter wide, but it was long... That might be.
0: That might do it.
1: Oh, it might do it. You still have the opening problem, but you wouldn't have these crazy angles. And there's a lot of people say, well, hell, you make such a big hole in them. You know, whoa, whoa. Yeah, but if it doesn't get all the way across the thorax and you pop one lung, you're really not helping your cause. So we won't, we won't spend too much time on that. It's just my chase for the big pigs I had nowhere else to go. I kept bonking the big ones. And it pissed me off. I'm like, dude, why should I do this then? I mean, just don't do it anymore. There's no reason. What are you going to do? I might as well just get the AR out or get my freaking 12 gauge, and I can roll them all day long, right? Right. And, but that's uh, no fun then. That's no fun. So I said, okay, I'm relatively extreme. Screw all this. If this crap works, I read all of me stuff. I'm going to do it 100%. I'm going to shoot a longbow. I'm going to shoot a street-legal Ashby arrow over 650 grains. I'm going to bare shaft tune it, shoot little tiny fletchings that are light on the back. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to shoot the grizzly that he shot as the number one broadhead when the study slowed down in uh, the late 90s or early 90s. And I shot a 265-pound pig quartering to me Folks, the arrow couldn't have been, I could outrun it. A 54-pound longbow, 70-inch longbow. Oh, it's a dream to shoot. And he was 18 yards. I stopped up on him, and he kind of turned to look at me because they can't really bend in the middle. So when they turn to look at you, their whole body swivels, right? Right. And I tried to shoot him between the cheek and the shoulder blade right in the, there's a soft spot there. Well, I missed. And I hit right on the shoulder meat. And it went completely through five feet of pig, and popped out his opposite side ham. I've shot a ton of stuff. When the feathers disappeared into his body, I literally stood there with my mouth open. His ass drops and he starts spinning. I thought I broke his pelvis. I'm thinking you got to. I'm literally standing there, going, that doesn't happen. I've seen so many, you know, arrows just go walk and stop. Well, he scampers by. He runs about four yards right by me, and runs off into bushes. And I knew the hit wasn't real good, so I left him. And we came back about four or five hours later, and we found him. And it was not a, it was not difficult to find him. And since that day, I get man, I, that arrow was probably going 140. I mean, we're talking kinetic energy levels. In the 30s. Yeah. And it just went through him, like no sound. Cut all these ribs going in. It had to because they're lined up like a picket fence when you look down lengthwise. Popped four or five ribs and went out his ham on the other side. It didn't pass through because the broadhead popped out, but it's five feet of meat. I couldn't believe it.
0: It's incredible.
1: So I said, well, if it works with that thing... Let's see what compounds do. And I went through the whole process again. And every time I go below 650 grains, I have a few issues. And when I don't, I killed one, I killed two pigs with a thousand grain arrows and there was no trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you said just
0: rebar uh, with a, yeah, with a cinder block on the end of it.
1: Well, Bishop Archery, he's got a, some really expensive stuff and he was one of my first Oh, dr sean over there at bishop he was one of my first guys who latched on and you know we started horse trading stuff for projects and he has a 600 grain broadhead and i've never seen anybody shoot anything with it so i did and it went through this 220 pound pig like he wasn't even there i mean it's a thousand 30 grain arrow something like that wow on 60 pounds I mean, the trajectory was outrageous. It was hilarious, right? And it just hit him, and it just didn't stop. It just bloop, bloop, bloop. I was just like, that's crazy.
0: Well, hey, while we got you here, thanks again for listening. Dustin, where can our listeners engage more with us?
1: They can check us out on Instagram, at Huntivore. They can check us out on Facebook, The Huntivore. Or send us an email at at gmail.com.
0: We've also joined the Sportsman's Nation family of passionate outdoorsmen. Um, they come together with lots of great content. You can check out their website at sportsmansnation.com They're also on Instagram and Facebook with the handle Sportsman's Nation. Um, in fact, if you check out their blog, we have a recipes already up and They are a 2% for conservation company, which means as a business, they give 1% of their time and 1% of their earnings back to the wildlife and wild places that we love. I think that's pretty sweet. Anyway, back to the show. So So
1: that's sort of the story, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen, you know, these massive hits that you get, like, you know, quartering away, or like you said, like these, these pigs, they, they're like a top, they have to spin their whole body. And so when they react, it's a spin. And just with the the deer in Michigan, they've been conditioned as well with the amount of pressure they have. They they bounce a lot. They bounce and they just, they live their life. Like ready to run. They look up, they find hunters. They are just, they're ready to go. And I'm only in control, you're only in control of that arrow to the point where you release the string. Either you pull your release for the compound or you finally take that last bit and you relax as you pull with your, your longbow. That's the end of your control. The Go arrow ahead. is now in flight. You've done, you've set the path. It is on its way. Yep. The wild animal is going to do what the wild animal is going to do. And... I think with the system that we're putting together, and I love how you broke it down into the Ashby top four, where you took this big, big study and broke it down into those four, four compound or four areas that what we're, what we're worried about is not necessarily getting the arrow to the animal. It's now, what are we doing when we hit the animal and doing this, I think is going to save a, a lot of hassle for hunters in trying to find animals on a on a whoopsie miss you know you may be on but that sucker ducked enough that it's now in a bad spot or in the case of like a pig where it is spun and you've gone from broadside gonna go straight through the shield to now you got to go through shield and like three ribs in order to get to vitals this is where it's going to save you is it's going to save that. a
1: bunch of deer hunters and a lot of anguish because of the when the when the deer jump you. I talked to Doctor uh, Doctor Jim out there a while back. He's a biologist, and I, he and I were talking, and also Grant Woods. And if you watch video, when a deer's head is down, he has the ability to pull his head up and and drop his shoulders by muscular reaction, it's not gravity. They physically pull their head up and their shoulders, they bend and everything drops faster than gravity. I don't have a single video where anything stands still when you slow it down, not one. Every one of them moves. That's three inches and some of them it's a lot. I shot one pig on my golf bag video And I had, I always carry some howitzer. So I was out testing something. It was 550 grains, and I always have put a 700 in there because I'm shooting fixed distance. It's not, you know, that's one of the advantages of having the feeders is I don't have a cameraman. I would prefer to stalk and all that, but I can get them set. It's very similar to whitetail. I'm in an elevated position, and then we can test, right? So it really is a nice feature to have, especially with no cameraman. So... This one pig came in and he was, I don't know, he's 210. He's covered in mud. I called him the M&M pig because he had a crust on him. (laughs) And um, he was super jumpy. He was in there by himself. And I don't think he's the big one. When those bigger pigs come in and they're jumpy, that means they're not supposed to be there. There's somebody around who's bigger or meaner. And he was super nervous. And he just walked in with his tail swinging like nothing. And I said, the hell with this. So I put an arrow up. I grabbed out a 700 and some odd grain arrow with a single bevel. And I said, I'm going to break him. I am intentionally going to shoot mid-body or higher and break him. And I broke him. I rolled him right there. Because he wasn't going to stand still. There was no possibility he was going to stand still. So I just said, fine. I aimed right at his shoulder. And when I pulled the trigger, hit the release, he rolled a little bit and turned. And it hit him right in the spine and flipped him right there. And if I wouldn't have done that, maybe the other arrow would have worked. But I guarantee you that single double on 720 grains, whatever the hell it was, rolled him. And it, it only penetrated about uh, probably seven inches. Through the, it went through solid mud and then broke his spine. And it just keeps happening. <laughs> That's the problem. It just keeps happening. And I don't like losing them. You know, some people say, well, it's just pigs. I know, but I don't want to shoot at them and lose them. Right. It just, it pisses me off. So now I don't have to do that. And it's just been a really fun adventure to see something go from, you know, my success rate before was uh, really low to absolute confidence to the borderline of arrogance. I mean, I know I got something that's going to work. I don't have any doubts if they drop and throw me a shoulder blade, I'm sorry. Your spine's going to be in trouble because it's coming, bro.
0: Well, good deal. And that's, I think, for, for a bow hunter, when you can get confidence, I think it makes you a better bow hunter. You know, you start to understand yourself, but at the same time, if you've got confidence now in your equipment, you know, yeah. I think you become a better hunter
1: all around. Yeah, well, especially deer hunters and stuff. Listen, there aren't a lot of people who get to hunt more than about 10 or 15 days a year for real we spend a lot of time shooting 3d and jacking around and making sure that your peep color matches your release and you got matching camouflage and all that crap that's fine okay i wear a t-shirt most of the time when i'm hunting i don't do any of that crap it's okay guys don't get pissed at me it's just that's the access that you have right we get one deer tag two deer tags and you don't And we all don't we're not all independently wealthy we have to work for a living so when you get your chance You need to have something that's going to do what it's got to do. We all, you know, we have kids, we got graduation, football games to go to. You don't have time for a three-day deal once you've shot a damn deer. It needs to die. And that's where I'm trying to help. I'm not really, this isn't a pecker measuring contest. I'm not trying to make sure I'm bigger than you are or any of that stuff. I've just walked through this and I popped out on the other side I need to start shooting some deer, I guess. I, I don't, I don't care to shoot them. But when I'm breaking big feral hogs with this stuff, just aim at a deer's shoulder and let him, let it rip. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's over. I don't suggest that. Shoot them where you're supposed to. But when things go wrong, you got a plan B arrow and you can't control the critters. You can't, it's not possible. I
0: love it. I love it.
1: Yep. We were watching a video the other day of a guy shooting a Cape Buffalo spot and stalk and it jumped the string. What the hell does a Cape Buffalo have <laughs> to worry about?
0: Other Cape right? Buffalo. I think that's the only thing.
1: <laughs> I don't know what the hell the deal is, right? He did you know, he didn't drop or, you know, he but you saw him physically tense up. Some guy plunking away at him with a nine hundred grand arrow and the the damned cape buffalo physically tensed. You could see his skin moving. That's a cape buffalo, so something's in their head that's natural to them, that they hear it coming, and they tense up. That's a <laughs> they're massive man. Nothing. It's a it's gigantic animal. There's no reason for him to be flinching. And deer are horrible you know, they really jump.
0: Oh yeah. It's, you know, that's the, the big thing is like, yeah, they're going to, they're either going to see you and take off or yeah, they have a, a sixth sense that, you know, they're going to, like you just said, like they're going to hear your arrow coming and man, they can, you know, yoga masters would even just wonder what they're, these things are doing. They just bend and twerk and drop and everything else. Well, but, Grant
1: Woods and I were talking on the phone and he did a video. He's got a video on his channel where they dropped th- you know, had somebody holding a string, I believe that's the deal. And then when he'd hear the bow go off, he'd let go and it would start dropping. And they were, you know, testing that. And it's a pretty cool video. And they, of course, he's got great videography and stuff. And Oh, yeah. And I, he's a bi- big time biologist, right? And I were, he and I were chatting about it. And he said, Troy, you do understand that you're hunting the best deer when you're shooting at a deer. The dummies, the fat ones, and the slow ones got eaten. And I'd never thought about it that way. But he said, "Yeah, you're shooting the genetically superior survivalists, the absolute cream of the crop survivalists, except for fence deer that have no predators, and there's some there's some seriously rigged opera, you know deals going on. Out there. It is what it is, okay? Right. But if you're hunting normal like us, deer, you know, they just wander around all day. They're the best at not dying.
0: That's a great way to think about it."
1: And so when you start to hunt, you know Usain Bolt, you know some of the top freaking athletes in the world—they're super fast and they got skills you'll never have. They can jump out of the gym and all that stuff. That's the deer you're hunting, you know. And so you've got super athletes in front of you—top, <laughs> top <laughs> tier guys that are super fast—and you're you're taking a rip at them, and they haven't died yet. I mean, I don't—who knows what a five-year-old deer's been through? Oh yeah, so that's the reason to consider, you know, a Plan B arrow. And you know, if you're listening and wondering, and you know, I'm a Martian and all that stuff, that's fine. I'm just going to tell you where you where you should begin. So, if you're shooting over sixty pounds, you shouldn't be shooting less than a three hundred spine arrow. If you're shooting seventy pounds and your draw length's over twenty eight, you probably need a two fifty. Go get go to Ethics Archery. And get some of their stainless inserts for your shaft. They make them for everything. The major manufacturers have brass. Put a hundred in the front and shoot hundred and twenty five grand cut on contact. Start there. And you will be amazed at what happens. And then if you want to go next level, you bump to two hundred, you get a you know, you get a cutthroat or a grizzly, or you can go some of the Alaska bow hunting supply stuff and get a single bevel and really shoot a howitzer at them. But if you'll just add a hundred grains, spine up, shoot one hundred twenty-five grain cut on contact, you won't believe the difference. And that's only five twenty-five running about sixteen percent FOC, and it's a completely different planet.
0: And making that that five twenty-five, that that five thirty, it's not a you know, it's not out of the The ballpark to do that you can compare i mean you're going to take your regular standard arrow and you're like oh this is this one's heavier and it leans more towards the point end but at the same time that it's not that hard to find the equipment to do that like you're just saying like you just listed off like three or four different companies that um make this stuff it's out there it's available it's becoming more accessible to make and to customize your
1: arrow yeah to get over 600 takes a little bit of Mad scientist stuff. You got screw in inserts. You can go get super heavy inserts. You got it. There's only a few broadhead companies making truly adult broadheads, and they are the next level. What you've done by putting that single bubble on the front of your system increases penetration dramatically just by the fact that they rotate when they hit and split bone like it isn't even there. But the average guy out there who just wants to stay stock, you know, I, I work with a lot of people on email and everything trying to just get them to the, get the first four Ashby things solved, get a better integrity broadhead, you know, hyper tune, get your FOC in the high teens, and then keep moving forward from there. And everything will start to work out. I mean, it gets, it gets, (laughs) it gets really good. It's, it really helps your success rate. And those few days in the field that you get, you know, it's just, it's just, it's worth it. It's worth it.
0: It is. I think you had a, you had a quote and I, I I remembered it out of one of your videos and it was, you know, we're bow hunters. We're practicing anyway. While we're practicing, why don't we fine tune our equipment? Why do we make changes? Why don't we make it better? And I thought that yep. was a really neat thing is it's, I'm not out there just, you know, ripping arrows to rip arrows, but now like let's fine tune the stuff. Let's make an adjustment. Let's not just right. waste the time out here.
1: Well, I've got a bear shaft, knock tuning video on my channel on the ranch Fairy channel. Y'all can find me just type in ranch where you'll find it. Trust me. It's easy to find. It's a strange name as we've discussed. and, I think there's a lot of things in the target archery world that people aren't telling necessarily us because if you shoot a bow for money and you're one of the top three guys in the world, you're not going to tell everybody, right? I mean, you're not, you've right. got some magic, magic crap and not actually turning the knock on a bare shaft arrow is unbelievable. Big Mike Tanaka, one of my subscribers who become friends, he's the one who introduced me to this concept. I hate getting a dozen bear shafts coming in in the mail because that means that I'm going to sit there for a couple of days and individually bear shaft every single one of them and turn the knock till they hit perfect. So
0: you got an hour into one arrow and then we' we'll go ahead and multiply that by the dozen that you oh, just yeah. got.
1: You get better at it, but by the time you you know bear shaft, get it close and then start knock tuning to hypertune it you got half an hour in doing just the bear shafting and then you fletch and all that stuff. If you buy stock arrows, you can still bear shaft. I mean, you can still knock two. So number every arrow and shoot them into the target. And if a couple of them are a little bit weird, like just say you got whack, whack, whack. And then one is a little weird. Make sure you keep that, write that number down and see if it keeps happening. And if it does, then turn the knot and it'll suck right back in. And you may not have a perfect, if you have an odd cock feather color, it may end up be in a position that's not classic, but the arrow flight's perfect. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't you can, matter.
0: You can forget about that color at that point.
1: Right. You need to. You, you do. And I've done it with, uh, I prefer to bear shaft Noctune, but you can Noctune stock arrows. And it really helps. So this goes back to broadheads. If that arrow's a little bit wiggly coming off the string, when you put a freaking broadhead on the front, Inherently it's not that aerodynamic. So it's gonna it's gonna pull harder. It's gonna come off a little sideways, catch a little bit of air, and wiggle its way out there. It won't be as accurate. And field points don't matter. They don't. I mean you bear shaft knocked him with the field points. But if broadheads don't fly, don't go out there.
0: Right, That's, get that system dialed in.
1: Really dialed in. Yeah, I think the the knock tuning and underspined arrows are the two biggest broadhead problems. I used to not think stiff arrows were that big a deal, but they are. So if you're going to spine, if you're going to shoot spine, go up go up a whole level. If you're shooting 340s, tr- go by 2300 and see what happens. And it's a broadhead thing. Field points are liars. I can run a 400 spine arrow on my 65 pound expedition and it's screaming fast and I can get it to fly with a field point, but you put broadheads on there and it just gets weird. Yeah. It just, they wander. They don't behave. They go here, they go there up and down and you start doing form thinking it's you and it's not. You're shooting a freaking noodle. And what it does is it flexes sideways or up actually with a compound. It flexes up and the edge of that broadhead catches air. Well, it tries to correct and it bends back down and it catches air on the bottom and it starts just swimming all over the place. And that's the two things I talk to people all the time. Yeah, I'm shooting 70 pounds. I'm shooting a 340 stock insert. And, you know, I tried fixed blades and they don't fly. Well, you're under spine, you're shooting a banana. I mean, well, you're shooting a freaking twizzler, is what we call them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just flapping going down the road. the whole damn shaft is wiggling. When you put this heavier mass up front, when you hit the trigger, it flexes and then the point springs forward and pulls it. I haven't caught it on video yet. We're trying to get a high speed camera to see this, but we think over 19% that the arrow is fully out of paradox in three yards. I mean, three feet from the, from the, from the rest. Wow. So it's perfectly flying straight within a yard of the rest.
0: Almost the fletching, the just leaving the riser. It's, it's already beyond in it. three, it's in three feet
1: from that point, three feet in front of the bow. We think it's completely perfect and, wow. and uh, flying. And you'll see this in the air. Um, I was talking, I was, I don't remember who I was talking to about this, but you start to see the fletchings in flight because they're not wiggling. I always thought with my faster arrows that it was the rotation of the fletchings turning it into a ball. And I'm starting now to understand that that is not the case. You're seeing it wiggling, going down range, and rotating. And when you shoot these crazy arrows with these big points, you start to see the fletchings, and they click like a freaking old-fashioned movie. They just go, do going down range. And that's when they're flying perfect. And then, of course, they hit perfect. They hit square. They hit meet square. So... It's been a fun adventure. I mean, it's, it's, it's really fun to, to go out there and know you've got something in your hands that you're not, you know, and when you hit them perfect, they're dead. Yeah. When you hit them a little bit wonky, you have an exceptional chance of breaking something. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I laugh. There has been a run of branch fair emails about people who are concerned about their arrows breaking after they hit something. And I'm like, I don't, what, what are you talking about? They're like, well, you know, I really don't want to shoot stuff forward because I might break my arrow. And I'm like, you know, uh, okay, but like, don't you want to get your deer? I
0: was going to say, we're, we're out that? here. Yeah. <laughs> Throw the, <laughs> it's a chopstick now. Throw it aside and let's get after what we were out here
1: for. Correct. I mean, we, I've started shooting. I try to break the other shoulder now. So I aim at bones on the other side. That's my goal every time. And I lock them up. They get locked up a lot on those bigger pigs. So they hit, you know, two or three ribs going in. And then they'll hit that real solid shoulder. And so they got the rib cage and then the shoulder blades on the outside. It's trying to force everything out. So it gets caught up a lot in there. It's not as it's easier to penetrate going in because the the meat and everything flexes in. But the other side, everything's going away. You know, Mm -hmm. the ribs are curved away and it kind of catches in there. And when I see that, I'm like, oh, yeah. That damn thing is dead, cause it's it's locked up. You know it's gone through the lungs, and it's forward. And a little tip from the ferry, I tape, I put a little bit of tape, electric tape on my lighted knocks, so that they'll so the, the they won't bounce out. I've had them, I've had the broadheads hit so damn hard they shoot the freaking knockout. I want that knock, I want them to go with it. And then if they break it off, it's just another thing you can find along the way. Yeah. So if you get down out of the tree and you see your knock laying on the ground, you know, the half the shafts laying on the ground and it's lit up, you just go there. Like, you know, okay, we'll start there. There's no reason to blood trail over there. Exactly. And often they're they're attached to the pig. So that's handy. (laughs) (laughs) That's the ultimate handiness.
0: There you go. Yeah. When you have a little beacon going...
1: Over hey, here. look at that thing! Maybe that's got something attached to it. It's really, really good.
0: Well, great! And like this whole idea, this whole concept that I really wanted to talk with you about is like that's my my biggest goal. And I know for my listeners as well is we're out here. We want to put something on the ground because we feed our families with this. The yep. less that animal stresses, the less that you know pain that animal's going through, the quality is going to result into the meat. And uh,
1: finding them faster too. Exactly, so that's just, that's cooling them legitimate. down, opening them up.
0: Yeah. Um. So now I want to kind of shift gears here, and we've gone from the arrow end, and now I want to go to the kitchen side. And I know you mentioned that uh, you uh, you enjoy a lot of your hogs; they're versatile. You know, you, yes, the, exactly. between brisket and pork, that you were saying. I want I want to know what the ranch fairy special is on pork. I'm I'm jumping into my my two dish breakdown. And okay,
1: good. Here's the I got it. I, I already got that figured out. Perfect. All day long, bro.
0: What is the por- what is the porky treat that is at the the ranch, bleh, that the ranch fairy throws together?
1: Okay, so you you get your pig on his belly and you take your knife and you stick it right between your shoulder blades and you unzip him all the way to his butt. And you cut the skin away from the top down and you pull the back straps out. Okay. On your back strap that you have now in your hand, there's a big piece of silver skin on there and it's very, very tough.
0: Oh yeah. You could tread Yeah. You tread tires with that.
1: Right. So it's, it's handy. So what I do is I get them cleaned up, blah, 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 blah. you know, put them on ice, get them right. Flip that meat up. So up means the meat side that was towards the ribs is clean. And that skin is that skin that's on the backs down get a fillet knife and cut down and hit that skin and just fillet them off, right? You, and cut them about half an inch wide. Okay, gotcha. so you got you got backstrap medallions essentially, and you pound them with a hammer, pretty flat. You know, beat them till they're you know <laughs> transparent or anything. You just tenderize them. They don't really need to be. It just helps spread them out and they they cook better. Yeah, and then uh, just crazy james and flour and bacon grease baby just to make it ironic (laughs) and you fry them you dust them in the flour and then fry them in the pan in the bacon grease you don't need egg or anything we're not chicken frying them we're just sauteing
0: just just dusting them and then you said right into the right into the bacon grease
1: and it's not a lot of grease it's just grease it's just a little bit of grease we have bacon I mean, I'm from Texas we don't know any better we have grease we have bacon grease all the time it's part of the world <laughs> so on the side red cabbage baby oh so tasty so cut your red cabbage up get it pretty small bacon grease throw it into a pan put it on low heat and just keep stirring it a little salt and pepper in there you're cooking your backstraps as they go the backstraps done Put it in the oven on about 200, and then get some cream, add a little more grease, some salt and pepper, and then you take your flour that you were dusting the pig in, and you throw it in there, and you make gravy with it. Oh, yeah. And it is it's outstanding. I love red cabbage with that. It just seems to be the right thing with that particular uh, item. That's my favorite thing to eat on the feral Hogs. We barbecue the hams and all that stuff. But, and the ribs on Wild Ones aren't really, the ribs we get at a store from 800 pound things that have been laying in a pen for their whole damn life. (laughs) They're humongous, right? Right, they can barely stand up. You can do ribs off a Wild one, but they're not the same. But uh, that's probably, that's my favorite thing. Mrs. Fowler can just flat, oh, good Lord, it's hard to keep people out of house. So good.
0: That is, I love that cutlet idea. You know, you just, you know, you, you make something that, I mean, backstrap normally off a deer. Like that's one of those things that's prized. Like, oh, man, have yep. to, to pound it. Are you serious? It's sacrilegious. But it just goes right along with your thinking. You know, just try it before you hate it. And that yeah. sounds like a great way well, to use that piece of meat. A
1: little bit. You don't beat them. Like I said, you don't beat them until they're paper thin. You just put some marks in them, beat them a little bit. It works kick-ass with deer backstrap, too. Well, that's how we do a deer back strap down here. A lot of people deep prime, but Julie will take that, a deer back strap, and it's exactly the same strategy. And it, it is just phenomenal. So sometimes I'll shoot a big one, and, and uh, that's, you know, I'll pull the back straps out immediately, and then we'll go to butchering them promptly. But I'll yank them out and throw them, in, them on ice and cool them down and get them going.
0: Good deal. Good deal. All right, this is the big ender. This is the big one. <laughs> Troy, the ranch yes. is empty. Everybody's gone home. You've, you're done with the chores. It is date night with you and the Mrs. Fairy. You are making it special. You are going to cook in for you and the Misses, In order to make the date go right, how, what and how are you preparing Uh, your dish I am going to keep it wild game now it's going to open it up it can include pig deer it can include uh, anything that you've fished for could even include the sharks that you're going for Mm -hmm. opens it up but it's got to stay wild game what are you cooking on this date night to make it go
1: right I would have been fishing in the surf in the summer with topwaters and the water would have been green and beautiful and the speckled trout would have been behaving and I'd have four pretty big trout. And we would make trout almondine.
0: Ooh, explain yeah. almondine.
1: Give so us the details f- on that. So, speckled trout, you know, and same day, speckled trout. We're talking like catch them and eat them. No, no don't freeze them. So, trout almondine, you just, a speckled trout in the surf is, the, a speckled trout itself in salt water is just a spectacular eating fish. And so, With trout almondine, we just fillet them and, you know, cut the rib cage out and all the standard stuff. And then um, you just butter, salt and pepper, and saute them much like I talked about the backstrap. And we just cook them till they're a little bit browned, not through. Okay? Okay. Set them aside. And then we get them all done. And then we add a little butter to that pan, throw some almonds in there, and we, we caramelize the onions. And then you pour that on top of the trout and you throw them in the oven for about 10 minutes. And, and then, that's have, to finish
0: them off at that point. You right. know, you've just browned the outside. Now you're using this, um, the almond and the onions mixture. That's going to go on right. top to the finish them.
1: So that goes on top to finish. And they're already warmed up. So, you know, two, 300 degrees. Nothing, nothing crazy. And uh, let them cook in the, in the sauce. And then we'd have probably mashed potatoes or rice with that. And then be a salad with Italian because Italian goes good with those fish. And that is one of my favorite. Uh, I mean, just – I like catching freaking speckled trout in top water. But <laughs> that part's <laughs> outstanding. Yeah, there's but, fun there, and
0: I'll just continue it on <coughs> into later.
1: Oh, oh yeah. When the, when that surfs right down in Texas, you see them coming. I mean, you're working your top water, and you can actually see this gray thing coming and just eat it. It's oh, spectacular. And uh, that would be – Mrs. Fowler would be very happy with that. The funny thing about her is if we're having date night and I'm bringing in trout, she's cooking. She's like, nah, get the hell yeah, out get, of the way. Get out because of I'm here. The oldest, I'm <laughs> the oldest of 10 children. I got this. So I would not be allowed to cook. I'd be allowed to kill them and clean them. She ain't doing that. Bring in the fillets, you know, get them right. Put them in the fridge and then she's going to cook. So I'm very fortunate. Mrs. Fowler is a fantastic individual and, I've been married to her for 30-some-odd years, and there's no signs of that ending anytime soon. So <laughs> well, we get longer than well, and have a great deal. relationship.
0: Well, hey, congratulations on that. That's a wonderful feat, and hey, kudos to uh, Mrs. Ferry on cooking wild game. I know there's some wives that are like, nope, not my deal. I'm not going to do it, and that's awesome. She just jumps in and she, takes care of it.
1: Yeah, she don't want to mess with them, but you bring her the pieces, and anything can happen. The woman will go crazy. She puts on her little glasses. She has this... Frickin' apron that has a, some kind of a damn bird on it eating something else. And man, she just goes nuts. There's flower flying and oh, it's fantastic. So there's no starving to death at my house.
0: Good deal. Well, Troy, uh, I want to go ahead and just give you like a, you know, a couple minutes here or a couple seconds here. Uh, where can we find you? Uh, this is your shameless plug. Where can we find you? Where's the ranch ferry? What's it about? And, uh, how can my listeners, uh, continue to enjoy your content?
1: Just the easiest thing to do is just to Google Ranch Ferry and I'll come up. My my YouTube channel is my primary modality for interacting with the public. I'm here to help you. I'm not like there's a lot of people out there. I don't know if they answer email and stuff. I get a lot of emails where they say, hey, thanks for responding. So my email is Troy at ranchferry dot com. If you have questions about this stuff, you know, don't tell your friends. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell your friends about your medical condition. You can call me. Text me or email me or whatever, and and I'll, I'll interact with you. And if we got to get on the phone, I'll, I'll I'll holler at you on the phone, and we'll get get you straightened out. Um, I've got some real basic products that I you know talk about all the time. I can help you improve your effectiveness. You can find me on Facebook. I'm 50 years old. I don't do social media very much. I don't really care. I just have things to do. But somehow my Ranch Fairy channel got tangled up with my ray ranch which is the test lab's name facebook page i don't know what the hell happened so it's w-r-a-y ranch ferry on facebook i'm not crazy active on there i'm not gonna i don't post every picture of me i occasionally do some stupid stuff but i don't and then on instagram i you'll find me on the ranch ferry so sometimes i post stuff but usually only when it has value i just i just i don't i don't care i know i'm supposed to post and i get emails from companies saying hey if you'll do you know we'll send you this if you'll post this many times and all that i'm like no i'll just buy it exactly i'll I'll buy it i'll I'll tell you
0: what i think about it
1: 20 bucks and if i don't want to post you know i don't i don't want to feel bad about that and it's another reason why like i said i demonetize my whole channel um i don't want to have any kind of incentive for anything if I want to say what I want to say demonetizing everything just helps me sleep better and it is what it is I'm not knocking any other youtubers there's a lot of guys out there who make a little bit of money reviewing bows and all that stuff and I covered that that's not really where my heart is and I'm outspoken a little bit and I say <laughs> a few crazy things so I enjoy the latitude
0: well perfect troy this has been a trip this has been so much fun um Good. i know there's there's a ton of info in this whole hour i know i'm even gonna have to go back and just kind of recycle through okay what did he say and what what should i be looking for but this yep. is great content uh appreciate all the time um that you've given me and uh yeah folks check out his channel um he's gonna help you make adult arrows
1: that kill things <laughs> We'll see about that. I do I will help you however I can, and I do appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. It helps me out a bunch, gets the word out, and hopefully we'll make everybody a little bit better bow hunter next year when they've got that one tag and four days to hunt and you know something goes a little bit wrong and you break one down and you know get your critter and so we can put them in the grease. We want to put them in the grease. that's the game.
0: that is the game. Well, hey, Troy, hold on for just a second. I'm going to send my uh, listeners off here. Folks, this has been a fun time. Um, yeah, check out the Ranch ferry. And uh, don't forget, keep your knife sharp.